you for joining me this afternoon. Charles Moskowitz here. So is Darwin's theory of evolution true? What have been the effects of Darwin's theory of evolution on society? Uh, a couple of years, or probably more than 10 years ago now, I brought this question up in a column uh, that, I, that was published in an online publication, questioning the theory of evolution. And the response was uh, intense on both sides, conservatives and liberals attacking me, really not viciously for questioning the theory of evolution, which told me that there was something more going on here, that evolution had become um, just a part of our official received science. And yet evolution was not proven and still is not proven. The issue became so hot that about five years later, when I ran for Congress in Massachusetts, my opponent, Congressman Barney Frank, brought this issue up while we were on television debating. And it was a very nasty campaign. I brought up a lot of big issues, as did he, and we had really scuffled on a lot of things. But this was the only time in that campaign that I saw him become emotional. He was very angry that how could I question the theory of evolution, the validity of this great theory, and that he presented to his, his viewers on television in Massachusetts the premise that by questioning evolution, I was not fit to hold office, I was not fit to walk the earth. This is a horror that anybody would question this theory, which led me to wonder whether or not the theory of evolution is more than just a scientific theory, however bogus or true it may be. It was the philosophical linchpin of the entire liberal left experiment. And indeed, as I researched it, and eventually I wrote a book about it, which is available, by the way, on Amazon, um, I came to believe that indeed this theory is the linchpin of the whole revolutionary experiment, if you will, that goes back really to the early time, early, early days of man. But Darwin was a major player in terms of launching the modern way we look at the world, the modern um, zeitgeist. And um, the reason for that is that the theory of evolution, when you get down to it, when you boil it down, is nothing more than a theory of breeding. You have species or human beings breeding with other species who are superior or more evolved, as Darwin would say, and thus giving offspring to even more superior species or human beings. And eventually, umpteen millions of years later, out pops a new species because the older, the, the weaker members of the species will have all died off or they've all been killed off or annihilated, which, of course, that, that's what happens when you enter this idea into the political realm. It is a biological theory that all species are evolving into new superior species. Now, today's evolutionists like to conflate adaption to evolution because the issue of evolution is not politically palatable. Nobody wants to think that human beings are at different rungs of the evolutionary chain, which is exactly what Darwin held, and which is the very core of this theory. It's a race theory, that some 
groups of people or races are more evolved or less evolved than others. And that ultimately for man to thrive, the lesser species or the lesser members of the species, the genus, they would have to be either isolated or, or outright eliminated because human resources are scarce. And if we're going to share them in the world, we have to make sure that the better members have access to these species. Now, let's, let's, let's note that Darwin's, Darwin was very heavily influenced by the, other, by the British um, cartographer and scientist Thomas Malthus, who wrote his books about population maybe a couple of, of, of decades before Darwin wrote his. And Malthus was into this idea of, of scarcity, that, that everything in this world is finite and material, you know, it involves a, a turning one's back on God and spirituality, that everything is what you see, you are what you eat. You know, everything is ex everything in existence, even the abstract can be explained materially, that it's, there's only just so much of it. And, uh, and by the way, not to get into a bigger subject, but Adam Smith translated that to, to involve currency and money, but the, which is just as wrong. But the point is that once you accept this theory, which I would argue is, is provable to be not true, then you have to, and then you put on top of that Darwin's theory of biological you know, breeding, then you have the justification for the killing of lesser members of the species. I mean, Malthus literally had the British government cut down on food rations for poor people, hoping that they would die out and that the population would be reduced because of alleged overpopulation. Um, you know, this, this idea, once you accept the science that man is in various stages of evolution, that, then it becomes easy to justify and indeed moral to kill people who are not seen as useful or, or productive in the growth of the species and eventually the development of a new species. Um, the, this idea, and Darwin, there are two parts to Darwin's theory. The first part is the, uh, is the, the genetic part, which is that Darwin pointed out, actually in one of his letters, which were published later, that all of mankind had emerged from what he called a small, warm pond. That somehow the living matter, which suddenly just appears out of nowhere, I suppose the modern scientific explanation for that is the Big Bang, that something, there was nothing, and then boom, there's a bang, and then there's everything. Not explained how this happens, it just... It's, it's, it's assumed, it's, it's as unprovable as any religion, but that's what they believe. So somehow life appears out of nothing. And the small life, they begin the process of breeding, and thus you have the development of general species, and then out of the general species come more specific species and subspecies, and before you know it, out comes man, and that man is the highest, the most evolved of all the species. And that there's no God, there's no creation in the image of God. Everything is just, you know, a bag of bones and cells. There's no purpose to it. There's no, as Dr. E. Michael Jones might point out, there's no logos involved here. Everything is just, um, you know, animals moving along and breeding with each other and, and killing off the weaker ones and then 
getting and the whole goal of life is to be superior, to create a superior breed. That is what Darwinism is. It's that simple. Um, that was what William Jennings Bryan objected to in the Scopes trial. He, besides the fact that he viewed it as bad science, he also said that this kind of of um, philosophy of life is going to lead to a world war because you're going to have, uh, if a nation or a society Im imbibes this and ingests it, then they're going to feel morally justified to remove or to isolate or to exile or to kill off members of their own peoples who they see as taking up space, using, uh, using resources, what Margaret Sanger called useless eaters, you know, people, we have to stop the breed, the overbreeding of the inferior members, and they're going to feel justified to commit holocausts and genocides and democides and mass murder. And they did. And, of course, William Jennings Bryan was right. Another thinker who brought this up in the early 20th century was G.K. Chesterton. Um, so, you know, people of faith understood that if you take away the, the spiritual side of the human being, you take away God, you take away the supernatural element to life, and you reduce everything down to just a process of breeding, and there's just animals, you know, screwing around and giving off more, more superior members, then, then, you know, you're going to have, it's going to be the end of, of any kind of rational law, because after all, our system of justice, our system of laws, um, are there to protect the weaker members of our, quote, species, right? We have laws in place to protect the innocent, to protect the minority, particularly the most vulnerable of all minorities, and that is the individual, the smallest minority. That's what a moral ethical code does when implemented as law or as a system of justice. If you get Darwinism protects the majority, you know, and, and gets rid of the lesser members so that we can have a superior development. Darwinism is a complete rejection of the entire Western civilization. And I would also point out that it's very bad science. It is not proven. There is much more evidence, including many scientists who now agree, that there is more evidence that man is descended from one father and one mother. Um, it's, it's called the mitochondrial Eve and the Y chromosome Adam in some scientific communities. So that would tend to more likely verify the biblical account. Now, we don't have to get fundamental about the Bible and literal. We can simply point out that, that there are two theories that predominate today of how man was created. One is the evolution idea, which is that we all emerged out of a warm, small pond. The other is the creation idea, which is that God created man. He created a man and a woman, and they are the mother and the father of all <coughs> of humanity neither of which are proven, and we should note that, but only one of which is codified as science. Now, Karl Marx, he took the theory of evolution, the biological theory, and he superimposed it onto his political and social theory. 
Marx understood and admired Darwin and thanked Darwin in writing uh, for his work. He asked Darwin in a letter that is on display at the Darwin Museum, House Museum in London, he asked Darwin for permission to dedicate his book Capital to him, and Darwin refused based on his claim that he's not an economist and he didn't think it was appropriate. At Marx's funeral, Engels, his capitalist business partner, <clears throat> when he eulogized, um, he said that uh, Marx's theories would not have been possible without Darwin, that, that Darwin's biological theory became Marx's political theory, which is to say that rather than get into the evolution of the biological man into superior species, <clears throat> Marx saw societies evolving. He developed a sociological theory, a theory of society, because that's what sociology is, by which mankind would evolve from primitive socialism to feudalism, to capitalism, to modern socialism, and ultimately to the final ideal, the utopia, which is communism. And that's when man sheds and all nation states wither away, man sheds his personal identity, his ideas of God and property and family and love and loyalty and the right to trade and all of the elements and aspects of our personalities that make us free and that make us different and thus make us in the de facto sense, unequal, because we all are unequal. No one's exactly like another person. But Marx thought absolute equality was the goal, and thus the ultra-evolved ultra um, political and, and social structure would be one by, which, which would equate an international ant colony. We would all become in tune with nature. We will have lost our brains. We would no longer be different. We would be automatons. And, um, and there were other adaptations. I mean, Marina Helena Blavatsky, the, uh, the occultist, late 19th century occultist, um, grafted Darwinism into the occult, the idea that um, superior cosmic consciousness would be developed through stages of evolution. I mean, her disciple was Aleister Crowley, who had a huge impact on the 1960s counterculture. This idea that um, the means of achieving the next rung of the occultic order would be that whatever you feel like doing, you can do. Whatever is, you invent reality, you invent morality. If, you, if it feels good to you, if it satisfies your senses, that's the ultimate virtue, that's good. Of course, Sigmund Freud brought this up to a, a science as well, in his idea of polymorphous perversity, which is sexual evolution, I suppose you could say, you know, that, that whatever feels good, you can do whatever you want to do with whomever you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, wherever you want to do it, however you want to do it, sexually I'm talking, and that's good. That's the ultimate state of freedom. That's, you've, you've shed all of your inhibitions, you've shed all of your prejudices. And then anyone who doesn't agree with that Anyone who stays with conventional notions of sexual morality derived from the Torah, they're bigots. There's something wrong with them mentally. 
you know, they're, they're, they're deranged, they're, they're, they've been interrupted, they've been retarded somehow, that there's something, you know, mentally deficient there. So in a way, Freud had grafted in the Darwinian theory with the methodology being sex. That's what will evolve man. And we can go through other gradations. I mean, um, uh, uh, Herbert Spencer was Darwin's major promoter in the United States. He um, and his books are hugely influential with American industrialists like Andrew Carnegie and the Rockefellers. And he kind of brought a, uh, a an evolutionary idea to economy that the the better business people, the richest people, like the like the Rockefellers, like the Carnegies, that they were superior, and that they had a right to control the lesser economies, the lesser businesses because of that superiority, that there would be no separation of business and state, that, that the state would become the business people who were, who were successful would essentially become the state. It's called fascism. So you've got various gradations of the theory of evolution and how they've affected our society is fascinating. And ultimately, I would suggest that because the theory is in a way, the way it's affected society is proof to me that it's false because the results have been false. You know, they have degraded society in every way they've been applied. You know, when you apply it to business like Herbert Spencer did and even Adam Smith to an extent, you remove the true nature of capitalism, which is not unbridled and unfettered and you can do whatever you want and you can thus control it. That's, that's as false an idea as communism. What you end up with is the, the true capitalist idea, which is capitalism, which is normal to people, and that's part of our nature. It's part of our, the animal side of us. And we all are both animals and spiritual beings. Of course, Darwinism takes away the spiritual side. But we want to compete. We want to get ahead. We're based on self-interest. We're based on achievement. But at the same time, that is balanced by moral, moral questions, ethical questions, um, sovereignty, national sovereignty, local sovereignty. And there are very, these are all competing elements. In a way, it's a natural system of checks and balances. Well, Darwinism strips all that away. That's what Herbert Spencer tried to do. It, it just makes it, it, it puts it into the only moral code for the Darwinists is survival of the fittest. The stronger survive, the weak go by the wayside. So, you know, in a sense, I would suggest that the, the end result of Darwinism is proof of its falseness. But even if you believe in Darwinism, Darwinism as applied to our society, to our politics, to our faith, it's, it's, it's poisonous. And it, it's, it leads to to uh, a falling away from that which really is true, which is that we are and must be, you know, to function as a civilization, restrained by the natural forces of morality, both in our individual lives and in our lives as nations. So I would suggest that um, the reason why, to bring things back to my beginning comments, people were so upset with me for questioning the theory of evolution is because it is that theory that is the cornerstone, the very foundation of our entire leftist experiment, 
it has been so internalized at this point that it is beyond question, and yet it is the very cause of this false paradigm, this this artificial, this new idol worship. You know, the, the Torah warns us about idol worship. Well, this is today's idol worship, this very bad ideology, this bad idea. And that to get back to the idea of the Torah, which is that every single man and woman is created in the image of God, and as such, every single life is sacred, uh, which was further promoted by both Jesus' ministry and by the Talmud, which said that every life is like its own universe, and then further echoed by Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. We are endowed with our cre by our creator, not by the state. God endowed us with rights, not the state that we'll get back to a, a situation where we can build and promote and foster both a free-oriented society and free-oriented life for ourselves. Anyway, on that note, I want to thank you for joining me. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I really want to raise my subscriptions. I, I have reason to believe that I'm being shadow banned by YouTube, so it would be really helpful to, uh, to me if you, if you subscribe. It's free. It's uh, you can unsubscribe if you don't want to keep it. You'll get you'll get this uh, these videos daily and other videos. I'm working on a bunch of things. I've got some really interesting guests coming up next week, and uh, and you'll be notified when they come on. So thanks for watching, everyone. Charles Moskowitz. Have a great afternoon.